If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Hey everyone, it's Erin. A couple of months ago, I told you about my student-driven investigations course, which I opened up in June. The first cohort just finished up and it was a really great experience. And as we were wrapping up, I realized that this is a great course to take right before the school year starts. Why? Because I teach you how to set up your classroom and develop procedures for a more student-centered approach. I also teach you how to meet the intent of the practice of planning and carrying out investigations, even if your students come to you with few science skills. But school is starting soon, so the course will only be open until August 1st. If you're interested, go to sadlerscience.com investigate to get more information. That's sadlerscience.com investigate. Now back to the episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. This is Nicole Van Tassel of I Explore Science. And I'm Erin Sadler with Sadler Science. And today we are talking about assessments and three mistakes you might be making, three mistakes that we have um, both made with our assessments and developing um, summative assessments is really what we're focusing on here, I think. Like, yeah. it, it could be quizzes, it could be um, tests, but we're not really talking about like the formative kind of day-to-day check-ins that that we're all doing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we have identified three mistakes that we've made, you might be making, um, and kind of a starting point to looking at, are you really using 3D assessments? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. All right, Aaron. what's the first one? Okay. So the first one, I think we have all done this and probably a lot of you are still doing this is focusing specifically on the DCI, looking at just the facts and not incorporating um, any of those other dimensions. So those those DCI-based assessments really look like, I don't know, I just think about those like old test banks that you got like on a CD (laughs) that came with your test books and you just like pull out, like you just like click a button and it adds it to your assessment. You know, they're like multiple choice, Um, very heavily vocabulary based, um, just like only focusing on what students need to know. Yes. And they also, it can be one of the things I think 
it was a mistake I made early on. And I think um, a lot of teachers still kind of think this way is okay. But if my students are writing or drawing a picture or something like that, well, that means it's, it's not just focusing on the disciplinary core ideas. Like, for example, there might be a question that says like, draw a picture of the rock cycle or, you know, explain the water cycle or explain why the, I don't know, predator, predator prey relationship and impact on populations or something. And it's still focused just on the DCIs because it's still a very like generic concept or fact or, you know, whatever. So technically students are maybe writing or explaining, but it could still very much be a memorized answer. And if, when I look back at some of my like assessments um, for earth science, when I was teaching earth science, ninth grade, like they, they, they technically were writing assessments. They technically were, you know, students were drawing a picture or writing or providing evidence or something, but it was very much things that they could memorize before they came to class and spit back to me and then walk away. And I would never really know if they just memorized it and spat it back or if they actually understood the things they were saying, you know? For sure. And I think um, a lot of where this is coming from is like, you feel like you have to have an assessment. You don't have anything there. So you're like, what can I come up with in order to like have a test for this unit? Um, yeah. And I see a lot of teachers like, oh, I, I just use this test and it, not really thinking about like the purpose of the assessment. Yeah. Um, so, and, and another layer with this too is with virtual teaching this year, I think it also, a lot of teachers started actually thinking about this, like, well, my students are going to cheat or whatever, or, you know, they're mm-hmm. at home or they're, um, they can Google things and how am I supposed to test, you know? okay, but if they can Google it, then that means there's something wrong with your test. Right. You know, that means there's something wrong with your assessment if that's a problem that you are having. Um, And it was less noticeable maybe in the classroom when you could monitor that no talking and and eyes on your own paper and no devices and phones, you know. But if if those things, if talking, if, um, if, if Googling gives you the answer, then it means that you you're, you're not, it's not a three-dimensional assessment. Right. And I also, I just think about like thinking about this from an equity perspective, like the huge overemphasis on vocabulary is not what we want to be doing. It's not what's best for our students. We really want to make sure that our students understand the depth and complexity of concepts rather than just being able to tell me like match a word with a definition, which yeah. so many like multiple choice questions really are, it, it's vocabulary. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And that is, I mean, so equity wise, it's totally at a disadvantage, you know, for students who, for whatever reason, um, struggle with reading or writing and, and, and that kind of English language things. But also it doesn't actually show you what students have learned. I remember there was a study in a book um, called conceptual, I think it's conceptual understanding in science, but they mentioned about how all the students could match what the definition of condensation or evaporation or whatever it was, I think it was evaporation, but they actually had like no idea of the concept. They thought evaporation meant that everything just went up into the clouds and the, the test didn't show them that they did not understand that, well, there's water vapor in the air all around us. And when water evaporates, it doesn't just go magically up immediately into the clouds. It literally just goes into the air around us, you know? So those vocabulary assessments, basically those, those 
assessments that are really just focused on spinning back the, the disciplinary core idea aren't necessarily showing an understanding of that, of that uh, vocabulary term or DCI. Um, and, and they're not also showing you anything else. They're not showing you whether your students can, can use this, the practices or anything like that. Um, I do think so a work away, a, a work around around that. And this is, you may not be doing it, but it's also the solution to, if you're not doing it, has an easy solution is, so a mistake that I made early on, I did not use phenomena in my assessments. So again, it was really focused on the, the core idea um, or spitting that back to the teacher or spitting that back to me. So what do you do instead? You give your students a phenomenon to apply their understanding to, because now it's, here's this new situation that you've never seen before. And you can show me that you understand all those science ideas by telling me what's happening here or explaining what's happening here. And it, it makes it much more difficult to Google, especially if you've chosen a phenomenon well. Um, and it really requires your students to actually understand what they're saying, because it's not just telling you the facts, it's really applying it to that situation. Absolutely. And it opens up so many things that I don't think that we like think about, but when you relate it to a phenomenon, you can have your students like revise their assessment. You know what I mean? Like, like say, Hey, you know, you did a really great job of showing me that you're understanding of this, but you didn't do this. Can you go back and look at this? And whereas if you're using like, um, a, a assessment that's just based on facts, there's like a right answer and a wrong answer. And, yeah. you know, like if you tell them this is wrong, then the other one is right. So they can't really redo the assessment. Um, and that has been a huge game changer just in the culture of my classroom saying like, you can redo this as many times as you want until you get yeah. it to a place where you feel comfortable with your score. And yeah, it just has been wonderful. Yeah. And honestly, that's what learning is about. It's about improving and growing and why shouldn't you, and we're probably getting into some other topics here, but like why shouldn't your students be able to revise their ideas and improve their ideas? Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you're only focused, your mistakes so far, you're only focusing on the disciplinary core ideas and it's really, sometimes it's a vocabulary forward or a, you know, fact forward kind of approach. Um, mistake number two is not using phenomena. Um, and really your solution to, to mistake number one and two is just using building a, uh, an assessment on a phenomenon so that students have to apply their understanding and apply those science content ideas um, to that. So that takes us into mistake number three. Mistake number three is not incorporating the practices at all. So it also is a solution to the first problem. Like you're not incorporating the science and engineering practices. Well, let's incorporate the science and engineering practices. So um, it's much more difficult for students to Google a model or something like that. So it also solves that problem of Google ability, you know, yeah. like have your students create a model based on the phenomenon or have them, um, you know, engage in an argument based on a phenomenon or something like that. Yes, exactly. Because you might be able to Google a model of like the water cycle, but you're probably not going to be able to Google a model of the water cycle, like of the processes that are specifically at work in whatever example that, you know, whatever your phenomenon is. So it's, it's like, it comes, it's really full circle. Like 
you're, they're applying it to, they're applying their understanding to the phenomenon and they're using the practices in order to apply their understanding, whether it's analyzing the data or, and then constructing an explanation or engaging in an argument or whatever. Yeah. One of the things that I'm working on is looking at like the snowpack in California and how, and using that as the phenomenon for my water cycle assessment. So why do we care about the snowpack? Why does that matter? And like having students develop a model that shows why that is important. Yes. And it's specific to that location that, you know, right now, this time period. Yeah. So that's a perfect example of really creating that three-dimensional assessment. Yeah. What takeaways, right? Okay. So what should you do with this information? Um, I think first and foremost, take a look at your assessments (laughs) and determine kind of what, what am I doing? What am I not doing? Um, What do you think would be the first change that you would recommend teachers making? Uh, I definitely think looking, finding phenomena like that, it, everything falls into place once you choose a phenomenon. Like, yeah, that's, that was absolutely what I was thinking too. I figured we were on the same page. Yeah, we we usually are. I feel like that's my answer to everything. Like just start with the phenomenon, just start with the phenomenon. That's what I always say. Yeah. Um, But yeah, looking at what phenomenon can you use in your assessment and then building it from there. Yeah. And it doesn't have to like it can be related to what you taught, you know, in your unit, or it can be a little bit less related to, you know, like it doesn't have to, I think teachers get a little bit hung up on like, well, I didn't teach them this. So I have to, um, you know, I have to like make it match almost exactly. You really don't, you just need to give students enough background information that allows them to work with it and build their stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I've never like thought about this too much before, but I feel like when like, let's say you did need to change up your set. It's like a lot of times you can keep kind of the framework that you've constructed mm-hmm. and you may be able to like swap out the phenomenon. If you find like, okay, this phenomenon did not work on this assessment. I can still keep the general framework. Like we're going to develop a model using X, Y, Z. And these are the things that we should see in the model. And these are the question prompts that I'm going to help, you know, guide students with, and maybe it's just changing out the scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it really, like you said, it gives you, it opens the door to like some additional freedom, practice opportunities, things like that. Awesome. Well, this was a quick episode, but we hope you um, have a couple things to think about in terms of assessment as you're, you know, looking at your units, making some changes and moving toward a more three-dimensional approach to teaching. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are you know, looking at this during the summer, because, uh, you know, a lot of times we want to do backwards planning from our assessments. So we thought it was important to include this now. Yes. And yeah, and that's, that is really true, because you do want to, as you're choosing your phenomena, as you're developing your storyline pathways and all of that, um, your storylines, you want to make sure that you kind of have in mind what your assessment might look like and, and rebuild those for, I don't necessarily always think you have to have the entire assessment written. I don't ever, honestly, I don't ever do that. Um, I kind of hash out where it's going because I have my standards to guide me, you know, but you kind of want to have at least an idea of like what kind of assessment you might do as you're um, planning. So it's something to kind of have in your, in your mind as well. So thanks so much for joining us today and we will catch you next week. Bye.
Hey there, this is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science popping in real quick to invite you to check out the Spark subscription. I know writing student-driven storylines can be so overwhelming from choosing your phenomena to bundling your standards to putting all those pieces together. And I wanted to make it easier for you because I know it's important to engage your students with phenomena and have amazing storylines, but I also want you to have time for yourself and your family. So I created the Spark subscription. With Spark, each month, you're going to receive a new storyline starter, a real relevant anchor experience to capture student interest and spark their questions. You're going to get a pathways map to balance your need to plan ahead with also giving students the reins and allowing them to drive the learning. And over two weeks of lesson materials plus a three-dimensional assessment. You can be responsive to your students and still meet your standards. Plus, you can also keep your nights and weekends for your family and yourself. It is possible to be the amazing teacher you are and you want to be and also leave work on time. So you can grab your free storyline starter and check out the Spark subscription by visiting www.iexplorescience.com backslash spark. And that will also be in the show notes. All right, back to the episode. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.